podcast from Cedar Valley Unitarian Universalists in Cedar Falls, Iowa, and I'm your host, Kat Bean Hansen. Welcome. We're glad you're here. For this week's message, which was originally given on April 18th, 2021, Pastor Emma Peterson delivers a co-message with our member Al Hayes called Living Our UU Faith. Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. Our message today is a conversational sermon between myself and uh, one of our veteran members, Al Hayes. A couple of months ago, Al, uh, just by nature of the the fact that he thought that I might be curious, uh, sent me this text uh, that he wrote several years ago, and it's called A Spiritual Journey, Thoughts and Reflection on finding meaning in one's existence. Um, And usually on Sunday mornings when you hear from me, you're hearing about my own spiritual conception of the world and my own spiritual process. And I think that it's really helpful for all of us as a congregation to hear about um, the spiritual senses of people who aren't me. Um, Because one of the cool things about Unitarian Universalists is we all have very different Um, opinions and ideas about what makes us spiritual beings. And so I thought this would be a fun conversation today. So uh, I'd like to introduce Al Hayes, uh, though we all know and love him. Um, And Al, why don't we start by you um, giving us a thesis or some of the central points of your uh, spiritual reflection text? Okay, well, first of all, it's clear I'm not Emma. The beard is a dead giveaway. But anyway, so so um, I'm, it's hard to summarize a 25-page document in, in a few words, but I guess I, I boil it down to, to five basic ideas. First of all, that uh, uh, b- before we can think or perceive anything, we have to acknowledge that our existence flows from an undifferentiated being. Uh, we could put the name God to that, but in some ways that risks reducing it from being to a being. Uh, but it's it's the ground of all reality, and it's not something that can be uh, described or defined clearly in words. It just simply exists. Um, <clears throat> uh, the, you're, the, you're talking about you're talking about the universe or or creation as a whole and our interconnectedness. Is that what you mean by that? Well, I mean something a little broader than that. I mean that underlying what we call the universe, what we call creation is a a level of reality that can't be described and can't be named. And all of the reality that we perceive comes from that underlying reality. And the Buddhists have that idea, but I kind of arrived at it before I, encounter Buddhism <laughs> anyway that, that doesn't make me the Buddha but I just you know I, I, I kind of came to the same conclusion for a different path okay. yes yeah yeah <laughs> okay then the second principle is that uh, the universe that that we see emerging from this ground of being 
uh, is one in which everything is interconnected. And we can isolate certain parts of it to study our experience. But in the end, as the Buddhists teach us, nothing exists except in relation to other things. Mm. And we can intuit this, con- this interconnectedness, but also, I think, ultimately, the scientific methods, everything that we've done so far with it points us to interconnectedness. There's nothing, scientific method doesn't even make sense without interconnectedness. And then the third, third point is, the universe is going to go on existing whether there are humans in it or not. Okay, let's face it. And so, in, a, in that sense, you could say that the universe is indifferent to human existence. So it's up to us, working individually or together, to create meaning in our lives. Uh, and it's not dictated by some external force or entity. On the other hand, the universe does give us the tools to do that. It's a gift from the universe that we have the tools of our brains and our hearts that we can that we can do that. Mm. And then the fourth thing is that uh, human beings have a very highly developed consciousness. We are not only aware of ourselves in the world, but we're aware of of being. We are aware of being aware. We're we're observers of our existence as well as experience our, our existence. And and so this. That means that our consciousness always transcends any one set of statements that we can make about ourselves or about the world. We're always asking, well, what's beyond that? What goes beyond that? And this creates a a, a chronic sense of insecurity in people. (laughs) And people try to run from that insecurity by uh, uh, adopting absolutist beliefs. This is reality. And And they get very uptight if you challenge that. And finally, for me, the basis of morality is acknowledging our interconnectedness and to all beings and acting in a way that improves our the existence of ourselves and other people and in the planet so those are my five basic ideas i appreciate i appreciate all of those ideas and especially that last point about the basis of morality being our inextricable interconnectedness because that's often an argument that you hear from religious people against non-theists, that non-theists lack morality. And if they don't have the doctrine that, that explains to them the center of their morality, then, then humans don't have morality. Um, and atheists often uh, respond to that by saying, well, human beings are born with the ability to determine their own moralities and what does it say about a theist that they need theology to inform their morality so i I like that i like that from a uu position that our morality and our desire to do good in the world and to do right by one another comes from the fact that we're all interconnected Um, i appreciate that um, I do have some questions that I have um, come up with um, to kind of guide this conversation. And I guess I'm, I'm curious, you know, you mentioned in this um, third and fourth point about how um, human beings uh, don't need to exist for the universe to sustain itself. We are only sustained through the universe, but really in essence, uh, we perhaps do more harm uh, to our environment than good. Um, and I think that that's 
something that is uh, morally and existentially really hard for a lot of us to accept. Um, and then you have <laughs> you make this point about how humans, and you can look at this um, in relation to other species and other mammals, humans do have this very large consciousness. We're aware of our being in our existence in the world, and we have this ability to ask questions about our existence. And often those questions lead to this sense of existential dread. You know, I talk a lot about how, um, especially in the West, people are, are very phobic about our mortality. Um, and that's connected to existential dread. Um, and so I'm wondering about uh, your own consciousness and your own journey of asking questions, um, whether those questions are, are scientific or spiritual in nature. What are, what are some of those questions that you've asked yourself? And, and I know that you talk about it in this, you know, you, you have satisfying answers, interconnected, interconnectedness, um, and uh, our own consciousness and, and how we connect to our own interconnectedness. But I, I'm curious if you could just talk a little more about, in the course of your life, some of those existential questions that you've asked yourself. Well, you know, uh, I, I, I'll mention that uh, uh, that uh, Jean-Paul Sartre uses the typical French bleak word for our reaction to our consciousness. Uh, La nausea, yeah. nausea. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, uh, he wrote a play called that. But anyway, I, I guess um, you know when I was quite young, I, I I left my traditional Christian beliefs, and for a long time, I considered myself a pretty strict atheist. Uh, but as I began to explore, uh, particularly when I got in grad school and was writing a, a kind of a philosophical dissertation, I. Uh, really began to explore things uh, uh, more deeply. And, you know, I realized that it just doesn't make sense for there to be a God out there who has some sense of morality that's in any way resembles human morality, because obviously, in terms of human morality, the world is a very evil place, okay, in many ways. Not all, not entirely evil, but very evil. And so, you have to come up with some other way if you're going to not want to accept that there's a good God out there running things and telling us what to do, then you have to come up with some other way to 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 justify uh, the decisions that you make in life. And I think, first of all, you have to acknowledge this kind of, I don't want to call it non-rational, but super-rational sense of connection that we need to develop with things as they are. We need to understand that our sense of connection somehow is not, is beyond what we can give words to. It's an intuitive grasp of that. I think the Buddhists are really good at, at spelling that out. Uh, but then also we have to choose, I mean, the we're faced with the fact of interdependence. It's, it's not a belief, it's a fact. Mm -hmm. We are interdependent, that's just the reality. Now, now I'm using absolute reality. I mean, I mean, it's the reality we experience, okay? Uh, and so what do we do with that interconnectedness? Do we 
we do we act in a way that we use our interconnectedness to destroy things and make our fellow human beings more miserable to limit what they could do or do we use it to to try to make things better make ourselves better make other people better make the planet better and i can't really exactly defend that choice in some absolute sense it just makes sense it just we we've got we're in this interdependent web so let's choose to act in a way so that that the, the ripples we send out in the web are 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 positive ripples and not and not negative ripples i think I that to... i i i think that that was really well said and and you started from this point of our interdependence and our interconnectedness is an irrefutable fact right you and you look at the science and and the physics of it all and and the way that science down to the very down to the atom can tell us how we are all linked together and connected in this year of pandemic i have preached a lot about um how individualism is a death dealing perspective right so there are a lot of people in the world that despite the irrefutable evidence deny the fact of our interconnectedness and deny the fact of our interdependence and i think we've seen a lot of that this year um and i i do you know i am curious if if that um the cultural drive towards individualism, it's probably connected to our existential dread. It's probably connected to the denial of our own personal mortality. Um, but I, I think that you and I are similar um, in our spiritual sense of the world in that we both accept and find a lot of meaning in the fact of our interdependence and our interconnectedness that yeah, yeah. life is meaningful because we are all connected. Well, and, and I think, uh, you know, people, uh, you know, a lot of the existential philosophers, I mean, there was a real change in intellectual thought, uh, particularly after the Holocaust, you know, that really shocked because there was this notion before that, that people wanted freedom, that freedom was a good thing. And and yet, what the Nazis showed is that people fear freedom, and they seek out absolutist ideas to actually escape from freedom. Eric Fromm wrote this book in about the late 1940s called "Escape from Freedom," mm -hmm. and he was using it to explain and react to the the Nazi phenomenon. And 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 I think absorption in some absolutist belief system is one way to deny our responsibility on the other hand we can retreat back into ourselves and say well you know the only reality is me my only my only reality is to survive and promote myself and therefore uh that's what i'm going to cling to and i'm going to do what i want to and to hell with anybody else i suppose that's another way a different way to escape from from responsibility and unfortunately i mean let's face it and and i when i talk about christianity i always qualify that 
there's probably many Christians that are beliefs are more similar to mine <laughs> than what I'm about to describe. But you know, when Christian when Christianity tells us, well, the important thing is for you to save your soul, right? You have this individual entity called a soul, and the the main reason you're good to other people is to save your soul so you go to heaven. Well, that's a highly individualistic concept that I'm not being good to others because I care about them, but because I really care about them because I want to save my soul. <laughs> and, I think that I think that focus too, and it's it's really interesting. I watch I watch a lot of uh, videos and I read a lot of things about ex evangelicals or ex Mormon people who are um, you know explaining the secrets of their denominations and and it is it is absolutism that humans are very comforted if we believe that we have the right answers. Um, yeah. You know, there's a there's a, an aspect of Mormonism where you reach a certain level within the faith and they tell you the magic words to get into the gates of heaven. And, and it's an absolute thing. You know the password, you're assured that you have the password and you'll get to heaven. I think it's interesting, this promise of an afterlife, I think is a is a easy excuse to forget the life here and now and and to ignore the problems within the world that we have created that we do have the power to dismantle and to fix but if we're all focused on kingdom come we don't have to attend uh to the problems of the world today and, and i can understand if 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 your life here on earth is miserable you know, b oh, believing sure. in an afterlife. I mean, you think of enslaved people. I mean, you know, believing in life after, you know, their their lives are so constrained and miserable that believing in an afterlife actually gave them some dignity because they said, mm -hmm. well, I may not be worth anything in this world, but I know God values me and will, will move me into a, a world where I am worth something. Mm -hmm. So I can mm -hmm. understand for oppressed people how that, you know, that really can almost confer a certain dignity to say, you know, God, God loves me. These, these SOBs that are keeping me enslaved don't, but God loves me. And, and it's an affirming thing, you know. And that's, and that's, I think, part of the difference that that kind of salvationist theology is rooted from a place of a loving and redemptive God who mm -hmm. eventually, you know, brings you back to his breast, right? That's what the yeah. Bible says. And, and right. of course, you know, now, now uh, we come to the point where we always do in these, in these co-sermons where nearly 20 minutes have gone by and we have scratched just the surface of not only the text that you provided me, but some of the ideas and the thoughts that we both have. Um, Thank you for your contributions today. You mentioned to me um, that you would uh, be willing to share uh, your writing with folks that are interested. So if you'd like to read uh, about Al's spiritual journey, get in touch with him and he will send you a copy. Um, Al, do you have uh, concluding thoughts or, or final thoughts before we end today? Well, we didn't talk too much about the scientific method and all this. And I think well, I'm very, I really want and I know some other you use, like my friend Lynn Brand, are very concerned about this too. To to really get past this artificial 
uh, separation between science and religion. They are two different tasks. They do two, two different kinds of things, but uh, we need to see that, I mean, if the universe is interconnected and scientists is telling us about the interconnectedness, then that informs our spirituality. What's, what the scientific method discovers should inform and enrich our spirituality. I mean, when I look at a picture of the Hubble Deep Field, that's a, that's a spiritual experience for me. Absolutely. All those galaxies out there, you know, <laughs> that's a spiritual experience. And I think, I think we need more of that, you know. I, I agree. I agree. I I think that it is a, it is a healthy thing for uh, individual humans to have a bit of an ego check and to recognize that we are a part of creation and a part of this universe and also a very small speck. And and I, I agree with you. When I see pictures of the galaxy, or even when I see pictures of or I'm or I'm at the ocean and I see how vast how vast this world and this universe is. It's both, it's both very humbling and very comforting to me. I think about, I think about this a lot when I experience just sort of day-to-day -day human problems that in the grand scheme of the universe, my broken coffee maker, uh, you know, is, is pretty inconsequential. So I can find it to be a pretty grounding experience sometimes. Thank you so much, Al. Thank you for being with us today. Well, I appreciate the opportunity. And I can say if anybody wants to uh, 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 read my thing and tell them, tell me I'm full of it, we'll, we'll have a discussion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and probably probably will we'll, that'll be if, if someone has, uh, you know, real disagreement, hopefully you'll do that over coffee and not on. That, that's right. That's right. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Al. Thank you very much. This has been the Sunday Messages podcast from Cedar Valley Unitarian Universalists. The music is by Nathan Moore. If you want to learn more about the CVUU, visit our website at www.cedarvalleyuu.org. And you can also find us on Facebook or Instagram at Cedar Valley UU. We welcome visitors to attend our online services on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Central Time. If you'd like to learn more about joining us for a service, send us an email at cvuupodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.